okay for you to be at a loss for words right now, but it is not okay for me to be at a loss for words <laughs> right now. Hey, when, you, when you guys are like watching Josh and the rest of the worship team, does anybody just get a little angry? Just take a trip down imagination lane, okay? So here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that you have a friend and that they call you and they say, dude, you have got to get over to my house right now. I have something to show you. You are gonna love this. And you pull up, and as you pull up, there is a brand new spanking Jeep in their front yard. And it's not a rental, right? Like they bought it. And you're looking at this Jeep together, and I mean the tires, they smell new. Like there's nothing just like new tire smell. You open up the back seats. There's no car seat imprints on the back seat. There ain't no Pop-Tart dust on the bottom of the ground looking like the Sahara Desert. There's no goldfish in the handles. I mean, it is new and nice. Nothing on the floor mats or streaked or even crease yet. I mean, it is just awesome. And then they're like, dude, come look at all of these gadgets that are up front. Look at all these dials. I don't even know what this thing does, but, but look at all this. And I can take the doors off. I can take the top off of this thing. It is awesome. And, and you're looking at it, and, and off in the distance, you see a field, and it's kind of a day like it is today. It's, it's rained a little bit, and you know what that means it's time for, right? It is time to take a drive. And so you, you look at your friend and you say, hey, listen, let, let's go. Let, let's take it out. Let's go for a drive. And they say to you in this moment, drive it? Oh, no, I, I don't want to drive it. I want to have it, but, but I don't want to experience it. I, I want to possess it, but I, I don't want to experience the power that comes behind it and the joy that comes with it. You would look at them and go, well, I do. Give it to me, friend. I'll take it out for a ride. But, but you would look at them, and the assumption that you would have is, hey, are you still on that medication that you were telling me about? Are you okay? You, you would begin to ask that question and have that idea in your mind. And friend, let me tell you something. This is the problem. That attitude, I want to have it, but I don't want to experience it. This is the problem for 90% of the church today when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We want to have it, but oh no, Lord, I, I don't want to experience it. That, that might be scary. No, friend, it's not going to might be scary. It, it will be scary. We, we want to have it, but I, I don't want to experience it. I don't want to see the power that could come through it. And this is how we treat the Holy Spirit. And this is why I am convinced that the church, and I don't mean our church, I mean church in general, that the church is stagnant. And that the church, a lot of times, is the laughing stock of the world. Because we're trying to do something on our own without the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Hey, out of all the things that the believer is called to do, one of them, and probably the most important one, is to look and take the Word of God seriously to look at it and to recognize it for what it is, that it is living and active. It is not a collection of 66 stories from a bunch of random people that all don't mean anything. No, friend, it is the most perfectly crafted, designed thing that you and I have ever been given by God himself to see ourselves and to see him. It is the Bible. It is the Word, living and active. Paul told his protege this about the Bible. He told this to Timothy. All Scripture, Timothy, is inspired by God. Every word, every syllable has been pronounced by God. Well, why do you do that, Paul? Glad you asked, Timothy, because it's useful for teaching, to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 
God uses it, the Word, to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Hey, if we know that the Bible is true, and we know that the Bible is the Word of God, and we know that our problem is that we're not taking hold of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, here's what we're going to do today. We are going to look at what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Because here's what I know. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something in my life. He wants to do something in this city. He wants to do something in this church. So this morning, I want to teach you three things about the Holy Spirit that we can see from Acts chapter 2. And in case you weren't here last week, uh, Dr. Pitts cranked out a dinger over Acts chapter 1. We, we talked about how the disciples are gathered together in the upper room. The Holy Spirit comes on this event called Pentecost. Tongues of fire are spread among the disciples. And the disciples walk out onto Jerusalem during the Pentecost festival. And they begin to preach. And here's the amazing thing. People that didn't even speak their language are able to hear and understand the gospel. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And some of them believe, and, and some of them are just like you, and they're just like me in the church. They're standing with their arms crossed, looking at something that God is doing that is great. You know their explanation? They must be drunk. You got people like that in your life? I mean, everything's going good, and they just want to rag on it. They say, they must be drunk. Today is a continuation of that story, because Peter's going to stand up, and Peter's going to clear it up. You know, sometimes there are just times in life where somebody needs to stand up and, and clear the room, clear up what's really going on, and that's what is going to happen today as Peter stands and as Peter preaches. Everybody do me a favor. Look at me and say, you're weird. So are you. So say this with me. God, speak, and I will listen. Father God, we pray by your Holy Spirit, God, that you might come today and that you might speak. God, nothing is going to happen of eternal difference if I speak, but everything can happen with eternal difference if you speak, God, through the power of your word when the Spirit is called into it, God. So we pray that you might come and send your Holy Spirit, God, to convict us, to convince us. God, make the word come alive today and change us. We ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I'm going to begin reading in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Here is what the Word of God says. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles, and he shouted to the crowd. Hey, friend, let me tell you something. If, if you don't like a loud preacher, you can get over it. It's in the Bible, okay? Peter's shouting, so get used to it. He says, listen carefully, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for that. Even Peter's got a sense of humor. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And here's a quote from the book of Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Hey, the first thing that I want you to see that we can learn about the Holy Spirit this morning is this, is that the Holy Spirit comes in power to make the impossible possible. The Holy Spirit comes in power to make the impossible possible. Michael, what, what do you mean by this? Well, friends, back... 
in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, there, there are people that are gathered that they have a language barrier. There, there's no way that they can hear and understand what the disciples are talking about. But God steps in and sends the Holy Spirit, and then what is impossible through a language barrier becomes possible because of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit isn't just working corporately to make things possible that are impossible for the church. The Holy Spirit is working individually to make things possible that are impossible. The Bible says in the first three words that Peter stood what? Peter stood up. Hey, let me remind you who this guy is. A couple weeks before this event, Jesus is being betrayed, and there's a nine, ten-year-old little girl, nine, ten-year-old little girl standing at a bonfire asking Peter, hey, do you know him? And he cusses her out and says, no, I don't know him. Leave me alone. This is the same Peter that after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, Peter literally quits. He throws in the towel and says, I'm done. I'm going back fishing. What, what happened? What gives? What's the difference? Why is Peter now standing up when before he was cussing out children that, that were asking him the question, do you know Jesus? I mean, that, that probably isn't somebody that we hire as a pastor or even a Sunday school teacher, right? Hey, do you know Jesus? No, bleepity bleep bleep bleep, I don't know Jesus. And now he's standing up. What gives? Hey, friend, let me tell you what gives. Two words, Holy Spirit. Peter received the Holy Spirit. And this same Peter who's denying Jesus and cussing out children and quitting and throwing in the towel is now empowered to stand up, to open his mouth, and to preach the gospel. Hey, this is what I know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the ability to take you and me from where we are right now and turn us into who God has called and destined us to be through Him. You know, one of the fascinating things to me as I look at the life of Peter is that before Peter even realizes and recognizes who he is, Jesus says this to Peter, Peter, you are the rock on, the, on whom I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And Peter hadn't done nothing great yet. Not one thing. Michael, how could Jesus say that? Because Jesus, listen y'all, Jesus is intimately aware of who you and I have the potential to become with the power of the Holy Spirit. He can see it even when you and I can't. And Peter stands up and the impossible is made possible. And can I tell you something? The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know what that means? It means that the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, is still in the business today, right now, wanting to make things that are impossible in our lives possible for the sake of the kingdom of God. Hey, can I ask you something? What is it that you think about all the time and you go, this is impossible? I can't do this. I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. Why can't I stay away from the cookies? Hey, friend, it's possible. It's possible with the Holy Spirit. And it's possible. God is still in the business of doing things that are impossible. And let me, let me, tell, you, let me tell you why we get so tired. We are so tired because we think it is on us to accomplish something. Friend, let me tell you what's on you to accomplish, to be obedient to be obedient, and to ask God to do it, to ask God to move, to ask God to change your heart, to ask God to change your desires. He'll make the impossible possible. 
Michael, that's just one story. I mean, how do I know that God could do that with me? Glad you asked. Let's go to the Old Testament. Anybody here like the Old Testament? Just me and Eva. I love the Old Testament. Like, I love it. It is my favorite. Everybody say the word Samson. Samson. So let me, let me fill you in on Samson. The Bible says that Samson, at one point, he's, he's been bound, he's been tied, and his own people deliver him over to the enemy, the Philistines. And 3,000 Philistines surround him. And the Bible says this, And the Spirit of the living God rushed upon Samson. And those binds literally melted off of him. He picks up the jawbone of a donkey and he smites. That's a word I learned in small group. He smites 3,000 Philistines. 3,000 on one. Y'all, they weren't blind. They weren't deaf. They were real men. God comes along and makes the impossible possible. Anybody have ever been chained up before in prison? Don't raise your hand. Paul and Silas were chained up to a wall in prison. Why are they there, Michael? They're there for preaching and talking about Jesus. So they did the only logical thing that one could do. They said, well, we've already been, you know, we're already paying the punishment for the crime, so we might as well be guilty of it. Let's sing a song. Here we go. I just want to speak Jesus, right? Start singing, start praising, quoting scripture. And what happens? The power of the living God comes upon them, and an angel shows up, breaks their bonds apart, and they walk out of prison. God all the time is moving in people throughout the Old and New Testament to make what is impossible possible. Hey, there's this guy named Paul in the New Testament. And Paul makes it his mission in life to literally murder, cold-blooded murder anyone who belongs to the way. I mean, to the point where he finds this guy named Stephen. He says, Stephen, you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I do. I need you to say that you don't believe in Jesus. Stephen, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay, everybody, here's what I want you to do. Pick up the biggest rock you can find. Bring me your coats. I'll hold them. That way you can really get an arm sling in there. And I want you to throw rocks at this guy until he's dead. And Paul does it. He is responsible, literally, for the execution of Stephen and multiple people in the New Testament that know the way. Boy, God can never use him. Wrong. God meets him on the road. Jesus Christ meets him on the road and says, Why are you persecuting me? God can do the impossible with people through the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. He does it in Peter's life. He turns a coward into somebody who becomes the living portrait of boldness. Hey, here's what I know. There are all sorts of things in my life and in your life that we look at them and we just have a deep sigh, not of relief, but a sigh of defeat. And we look at it and go, God, this is impossible. I want you to listen to the words that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. And Jesus looked at them intently. And he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Friend, the first thing that I want you to know, and for us to understand about the Holy Spirit, if we're going to be a church set on fire for this city, is that the Holy Spirit can work in people's lives to do the impossible. He can do it. And he wants to do it. Michael, why would he want to do that? Because let me tell you what God is interested in. Let me tell you what God is never going to share with you and me. You want to know what it is? It's called glory. God is never going to share his glory with you. 
God alone is worthy to be glorified. God alone is worthy to be praised. And when he shows up and does something impossible, who gets the glory? He gets the glory. So what seems impossible in your life right now, the Holy Spirit wants to make it possible if it's for the kingdom and if it's for God's glory. Hey, let me show you the second thing about the Holy Spirit. Peter is going to continue on preaching. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 23. Here's what it says. People of Israel, listen. I love that there's an exclamation mark after listen, because you know what Peter's still doing? He's still screaming. He's still shouting. Get him, Peter. Get him. Here's what he said. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan, you need to circle that in your Bible, his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. Here's the punchline. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. Remember, the Holy Spirit is at work. He's alive inside of Peter doing the work right now. And here's what the Holy Spirit just did. He did the same thing that he does for me and you. And here it is. Number two, the Holy Spirit points out the problem. The Holy Spirit is really good at pointing out the problem. I have a difficult time problem solving, especially if it's a piece of equipment or a washer or a dryer. I'm ready to throw it away. Let's just get a new one. The Holy Spirit is deadly accurate about what the problem is in your life. Hey, let me tell you something about problems. Let me tell you something about my problems. I only want to know what problems I have because of other people. I mean, if I'm just honest... I mean, it's a problem sometimes picking my kids up from HCA, and there's a line because people won't get in the other line. They won't go to the other lane. They won't move around. It's a problem when the light's green, and they're doing what I'm doing. They're texting, and I'm screaming at them, right? They're texting and driving. It's a problem. Let's talk about those problems. Hey, I only want to talk about problems when I know that the answer is really about somebody else. But deep down, we don't really want to talk about our problems because, listen, most of the time, you know it, I know it, our kids know it, our spouses know and shoot, even our dogs and cats know it, that most of our problems don't have anything to do with anybody else except for, y'all, Taylor Swift said it, it's me, hi, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me, it's you, friend, <laughs> that's the problem, that's my problem. And Peter here is saying, he just dropped a bomb on him. He just said, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now listen, at the beginning of this week, man, I, I was just like kind of shouting like, yeah, Peter, get him, get him, Peter. And I pictured myself like being behind Peter, like cheering him on, you know, like, yeah, get after him, Peter. Yell at him. Do it. Make, make him believe in Jesus, Peter. Holy Spirit power in you. You know what happened the more I began to read and study and understand this passage and understand what's going on with the Holy Spirit? When I became to understand what's going on, I realized I, I don't belong behind Peter, shouting and cheering him on. I belong directly in front of Peter with his finger in my face. Because here is the truth. You and I are just as responsible for putting Jesus Christ on the cross as the Roman is who put the crown of thorns on his head and beat him silly. 
You and I are just as responsible for Jesus being on the cross as the drunk Roman guards that nailed his hands and feet to a tree. You and I are just as responsible. Michael, how can you say that? Because I know something about each one of us that we all got in common. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the payment for that sin, friend, is death. It's Jesus' death. Michael, I don't know about that for all of friend. Friend, let me help you out with the word all. Everybody say all. I heard this the other week, and I want to share it with you, just clear up any confusion. All means all, and that's all all means. Can we say that together? Here we go. All means all. You got it. All. I and you, we together are just as guilty for nailing Jesus to the cross. And I don't know about you, but you know, about seven days a week, that makes me feel pretty terrible to know that I'm the problem. I'm the issue. Because I can eventually get out of the car line at HCA. I'm eventually going to go through the green light, but every morning when I wake up, I, I'm looking at the problem in the mirror. You and I are the problem. But here's what I love. I told you to circle two words. Prearranged plan. See, God knew all along that, that Michael Sharon was going to be the problem. And so in Genesis... He predetermined that there would be a son of Eve that would come and crush the head of the serpent. That would come and literally kill sin and the power of sin and escape death and provide a way for you and me to experience it. God's prearranged plan, friend, whether you know it or not, had you and me in mind from the start. Holy Spirit comes and makes the impossible possible. The Holy Spirit wants to point out the problem, but I want you to understand something. It doesn't end there. Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God, who made this Jesus, whom you crucified, there it is again, just in case we forgot what all means, it means you to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other disciples, Brothers, what should we do? Circle that, highlight that. Most important question that any human being can ask once they understand that they're responsible for the death of the Son of the living God. What should I do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins. Turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's how the story ends, verse 40. Those who believed in what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day 3,000 in all. Hey, let me show you the third thing that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit points out the problem for the purpose of repentance. He's pointing out the problem for the purpose of repentance. The Bible says that Peter's words in verse 37 pierced their hearts. That they were immediately and intimately aware that what Peter was saying about them through the power of the Holy Spirit was true. Hey, let me, let me ask you if you've ever had this experience, okay? 
Have you ever had this experience where you're sitting under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, and it felt like that pastor, that he or she, whatever that they were telling you, it felt like that you had written a biography about all the terrible things in your life, and they had read it and wrote a sermon just about your biography. And it's like, dude, what is going on right now? I've not told anybody that I'm walking through that right now, but I feel like it's just me and them in the room right now. What's going on right now? And and you just are convinced that that pastor is just amazing. It's just awesome. Right? Like, how could they know that? So after the service, like, you go back to the back, and you're like, oh, pastor, let me just tell you something. Whoa, that was good. And I just feel like what you were doing, I just feel like that was just straight to me. I just really appreciate that. Friend, let me, let me fill you in on something, okay? That is not the work of the pastor. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming alongside the Word of God and literally piercing your heart with it. Y'all, here's the deal. Uh, pastors, we, we don't know all your stories, and praise God, we don't want to know all your stories. And praise God, on the other hand, you don't know all our stories. And praise God, you don't have to know all our stories. We get to go to bed tonight because we don't know every facet of detail of every person in the room. Praise God, right? But the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit has the ability to come and pierce our hearts with the Word of God. Listen, maybe you've been wondering, man, what am I supposed to do with this conviction? Because here's what I know about me. When the Word is being read and when the Word is being taught, I'm immediately made aware of my sin. It is in the forefront of my mind, and I have a decision to make. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to white-knuckle the chair in front of me? Am I going to ignore it? Am I going to pull out my phone and just play pretend and absolutely just distract myself to death on what's going on on Facebook that is absolutely pointless for eternity? What am I going to do? Friend, let me tell you what you should do. You should do exactly what Peter tells people to do, to repent. See, let me, let me tell you where we get all mixed up and, and why we're scared to death of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of sin. Amen? Raise your hand if you've ever felt the conviction of sin in your life. Okay, good, you're breathing. The rest of y'all, wake up! Let me, let me tell you what happens. We feel the conviction of sin in our life, and immediately, I mean immediately, Satan goes to work. And here's what he does with the conviction of your sin in your life. He begins to say things like, you don't you dare tell anyone. You are all alone. Nobody will understand. Nobody will get it. Don't you dare tell anyone. Say things like, you're you're never going to beat this. Just accept it. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't do anything about it. You're a loser. You're always going to deal with this. See, See, he immediately goes to work. And let me tell you the outcome and how to know if the enemy is at work about the conviction of sin in your life. If you immediately feel shame, See, shame is not in the plan of God. What is in the plan of God is that we would feel conviction, that we would turn to repentance and be saved and set free from it. The enemy's plan is to take the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings, which is a good thing, and to literally shame you to death with it, for you to die in it, in the middle of it. But that is not the point of the Holy Spirit. The point of the Holy Spirit's conviction is never to bring shame. It is always to point us to salvation through repentance. 
Well, Michael, you, you just don't understand all the things that I feel shamed about. You do not understand how deep my sin problem is. Friend, I don't, and here's the really good news. I don't have to know. Because here's what I know. I mean, if God can lead a million-ish people through the Red Sea by the power of His Word, if He can split the sea wide open and walk a million people to freedom, I'm really sure He can walk you to freedom. If the same God that spoke to Jesus, who's lying dead in a tomb, said, get up by the power of the Spirit living within you, if He can raise Jesus from the dead, friends, He can free you from your sins that are keeping you dead. I, I know that. I believe that. That there is not a temptation common to man that we have not been provided with a way of escape and a way to overcome. And the way to overcome is through the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say this about repentance. I wasn't even going to say it, but then I feel like God would be mad at me if I didn't say it. So I'm going to say it. Family meeting. Don't be mad. I'm just a messenger. Okay? We, as a church, are really good at being sorry for our sins especially when we get caught, right? Remy, I just saw you stomping on Reuben's head. Stop it. I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm not going to do it again while you're in the room. Then I'm going to do it again. I mean, we're really good at being sorry. Here's how it usually goes in our lives. God, I am sorry about this. I'm sorry about it, God. But you know, at least what I'm doing isn't as bad as what they're doing. But God, listen, I'm really sorry. I'll probably be back here in 72 hours to say I'm sorry again. I'm sorry. God, I know it's wrong, but my mama did it. My daddy did it. My brothers and sisters do it. My friends are doing it. It's just part of who I am, God. God, I, it's probably even your fault, God. You made me. It's probably your fault. But I'm, I'm sorry, God. I'm not sorry for who I am. I'm sorry for who you made me to be. I'm sorry, God. You better be careful saying stuff like that. God, I'm sorry. I, I, I know I shouldn't be talking to my spouse that way. I know I should not respond to my kids in anger. But, but God, you know, at least I'm not beating on them. God, I, I, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't be looking at that. I know I should not be watching that. But, but God, at, at least I'm not committing adultery. Sorry, God. God, everybody does it. Sorry, God. We're really good about being sorry. But you know, what, you know what Jesus Christ never said? Jesus Christ never said, be sorry about your sins. Never, not one time. He said this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I go, well, what does it mean to repent? Let me tell you what it means to repent. To repent means to look at your sin and to take it before God the Father and say, God, I agree with what you say about this sin. I agree with you, God. I agree that this sin, my sin, is so heinous that someone had to die for it. I agree. Repenting is not saying that you're sorry and giving some lame excuse. Repentance is coming before God, calling it for what it is, and recognizing somebody had to die for it. And then it's saying, God, teach me to look at this how you look at it. And you turn away from it. You run the other way from it. 
hey, listen, I've already done this, but, but I just want to echo the words of Jesus that he says when he comes to the world and he begins his preaching ministry. Here's what he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and let me tell you something. For a lot of us, we are convinced because I don't know why we're convinced of this. I think we're convinced of it because we want it to be true. We are convinced that God is okay with our pet sins. He ain't. He died for them. He's not okay with it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey, let me tell you the best part about this conviction, repentance, salvation. You ready for the best part? The best part is that when you and I do this, we get to experience something called the freedom of Christ. Michael, I... I there's just certain things I've never been able to repent from. There's certain things I've never been able to walk away from. What is the freedom of Christ like, friend? In one word, it is breathtaking. It's like you're breathing again. It is amazing to remember who you were, to remember the past sins that enslaved you, and to be able to scream right in their face, get away from me because Jesus said so. It is awesome. It is powerful. And here's what I'm convinced of. The church is totally missing out on it. We're totally missing out on what it means to be free in Christ. Michael, can we really be free? The Bible says that the one that the Son sets free is only free sometimes. Only free on Mondays. Is that what it says? The one who the Son sets free is free indeed. Yes, we can be free. Y'all, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, is the same Spirit that lives inside of us. Here's what I want to tell you about Jesus. He can handle your mess. Oh, He can handle it, friend. And He can turn that mess into something beautiful. Right? Y'all ever heard the phrase, God don't bless the mess? Friend, he don't bless the mess, but he'll get right in the middle of it and turn it into something you never had any idea that he could do. He'll bring freedom in your life. Hey, here's what I want to tell you. On that day, 3,000 people heard the words of Peter through the power of the Holy Spirit as he read and taught Scripture, and they were set free by the power of Christ. And here's what I know. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and Tomorrow, forever, right? So here, here's the question. I mean, we're called to be biblically serious. Y'all, we just got out of staff and elder retreat. It was incredible. And, and Kevin Lee, man, what a daggum pastor. What an amazing man of God. I love that man. You know what he said? It, it's just been thundering in my brain all night long. We're talking about being biblically serious. And here, here's what he said about the church. He said, you know, we, we need to start looking at what God did in the New Testament and asking two questions. If it happened then, why can't it happen now? If the same Holy Spirit resides in us that covered and clothed Peter and the apostles, and that happened then, why can't it happen now? If it happened there, why can't it happen here? If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what, friends? I, I figured out the answer. I, I understand now why it's not going to happen here. It's because we will not turn the car key on. We just want to sit in that Jeep and look around and admire it, and we don't want to turn the key. Brother and sister, I'm telling you, turn the car on. Go for a ride. 
Michael, it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, friend, it was, it was dangerous the very first time you drove, right? Anybody just decide, man, I'm never driving again. It was just too dangerous. No. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to come in power and take us places. If it happened then, why can't it happen now? If it happened there, why can't it happen here? Friend, I know the answer. It's not because God's changed. He don't change. It's because we don't trust. We don't want to turn the car on and give full access over to Him. Hey, here's what I know. By the power of the Word of God, I know that the Holy Spirit is at work in this place. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there I am amongst them. He is here right now. And He's here right now, and He wants to do three things. He wants to make the impossible possible. He wants to draw spiritually dead people to the one who died to make them alive. He wants to do that. He wants to introduce people to Jesus so that they might repent and have freedom in Him. Hey, I know that the Holy Spirit's alive doing this. I know that He's at work right now convincing the world and convincing us of our sins so that we might be led to repentance and so that we might understand how desperately we need saving. I know that the Holy Spirit is work pointing us right now, even in this moment. Y'all, this is His work that He will continue to do till Jesus comes back. He is at work pointing humanity to the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we might experience life in Christ. Hey, I want to close with this. For some of you, He is calling you to repentance right now. The conviction is there, and you have a choice. It's the same question that those brothers asked Peter. What should we do? And here's your options. You can be shamed to death through the devil, or you can choose repentance and salvation and ask Him to come do a work in you. That's your only two options. For some of you, He's calling you to do something specific for the kingdom. And I just, I want to say to you and yell at you, what are you waiting for? Michael, I can't. I know that's the point. He can do it. Start the car. It's going to be an awesome ride. Are you going to understand everything? Nope. Are you going to get dirty? Yep. Is it going to be awesome? Yep. Start the car. Do it. Hey, for some of you, Right now, we're told that the Holy Spirit is a helper. He's a comforter. For some of you, the Holy Spirit is dying for you to ask Him for help. He wants to help you. So ask Him. Hey, I want to I close with this. The Holy Spirit is alive and in this place right now. And here's what I believe. I believe if you let Him, if you invite Him in, here's what I believe. I believe that the Holy Spirit can do more in your life and through your life in the next five seconds. That amount of time right there. He can do more in the next five seconds of your life than you could do in 50 years. Giving your best every day. That's how powerful the Holy Spirit is. What's He want to do in your life? Man, would you ask Him for His presence? Would you ask Him to do it? Would you ask Him to empower you to do the impossible? He wants to do it. Y'all, this city needs a church on fire. What are you going to do about it? Holy Spirit, we come, God, and we ask that you would help us. God, we thank you for the conviction that you bring into our lives. God, I pray that our conviction that, that you bring would not be snuffed out by the enemy. 
that it would not be filled with shame, but God, that it might lead us to repentance so that we could experience salvation through Jesus Christ. God, thank you that you do want to send your spirit to empower us, God. God, help us not be satisfied just to sit and never serve and just to sit and be okay and say, you know, I've got the Holy Spirit, but I never want to use it. God, would you challenge us? God, you tell us to put you to the test. God, would you do something in this church? Would you do something in this city? Not for our name's sake, God, and not because of our ability, but God, would you do it for your name's sake and because of what the Holy Spirit is able to do? God, set our church on fire and light our city on fire because of it. We ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen.